Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Hydrogen Nowcast for September 17, 2021. This is a podcast devoted to encouraging the deployment of fuel cell EVs, hydrogen fueling, and hydrogen infrastructure throughout the world. Our intent is to encourage and motivate others to get involved, to take charge, and to help deploy hydrogen as a means to decarbonize the energy sector and accelerate the movement to stop climate change. The Hydrogen Nowcast is a production of the Colorado Hydrogen Network in Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Brian DeBruin, the Director of Operations for the Colorado Hydrogen Network. Regular listeners to the podcast will have heard me say a number of times that technology, and especially the ways we discover to apply it, is changing all the time. And we all need to update our opinions almost weekly. And you know what? That applies to me as well. You know, I had previously discarded the use of methanol as a hydrogen carrier because it contains carbon atoms. However, after podcast 33 with Kaizen Clean Energy and additional conversations I've had with Robert Meany at Kaizen, I've had to revise my thinking. So in the podcast with Kaizen, we talked mainly about making methanol from biomass. Now, of course, methanol is an attractive hydrogen carrier because the hydrogen can be easily extracted. But in this podcast, I'd like to revisit methanol because what we really didn't focus on previously is simply using methanol as a hydrogen carrier regardless of the energy source. For example, what about making methanol from hydrogen and CO2? Now, this would be useful in locations where there's no readily available source of biomass or wastewater or the processing plant to convert that biomass to methanol, and, and it may not be practical. So let me give you a couple of examples. So what if you had a solar or wind array in a remote location? Now, it might be useful to generate hydrogen by electrolysis, convert that hydrogen to methanol by adding CO2, and then trucking that methanol to users, such as fuel stations, which might also be remote. Now, the methanol would be stored and later converted to hydrogen, but capturing the CO2. Now, I'm going to come back to the carbon component in a second. Now, remember, there's really little point in using hydrogen if it emits any greenhouse gases. Now, another example for the use of methanol would be the need for seasonal storage of hydrogen, which is generated by electrolysis. In this case, the electrolysis and hydrogen consumption would be at the same site. For example, let's say you had a seasonally variable hydrogen demand. Examples of this would be an island or a ski area or a remote telecon site. You could smooth your electrical demands for making hydrogen by generating hydrogen at a constant rate all year and storing the hydrogen as methanol. If your energy source was a wind or solar array, you could also only make methanol when the wind and solar outputs dictated it. So let's talk about this carbon component of methanol. First, recall that methanol is CH3OH. In other words, it consists of four hydrogen atoms, one carbon atom, and one oxygen atom. So how do we deal with this carbon atom to keep the two examples that I just described greenhouse gas-free? Well, we can do that by capturing and reusing the carbon in the making of the methanol. In other words, we keep reusing the same carbon atoms over and over in a closed cycle. The tanks and trucks which store or transport the methanol could be designed to hold either CO2 or methanol. The truck is making a round trip, taking methanol one way and CO2 the other direction. So let's take the first example where the methanol is made at a solar or a wind array. Here, methanol is generated using CO2 kept in a storage tank, 
and using hydrogen from electrolysis. The methanol thus generated is loaded into a tanker truck, which delivers it to a point of use like a fuel station. Meanwhile, the fuel station has been capturing the CO2 during the process of generating hydrogen from methanol. Now, once the truck is empty after delivering the methanol, it could be loaded with CO2. The truck then returns to the wind or solar array, unloads its CO2, which is stored and later used by the plant to make more methanol. Now, in the case where methanol generation and hydrogen use are at the same site, the process is the same, but simply omits the tanker truck. The same CO2 atoms are used over and over. When methanol is converted to hydrogen, the CO2 is captured and stored. That stored CO2 is combined with hydrogen to make methanol. So we could frame this in our thinking that both the tanks and the carbon are serving the same function, that is to hold hydrogen. The difference is that the tank holds the liquid or gas in a physical vessel, and the carbon atoms hold the hydrogen in chemical bonds. Both the tank and the carbon atoms are reused indefinitely. Now to go back to talking about the biomass to methanol case, which is what we talked about in the podcast with Kaizen Clean Energy, in that scenario, the energy source is biomass, not electricity. So the carbon for the methanol comes from the biomass, which originally pulled it from the atmosphere. So although this case is not a closed carbon cycle, it is carbon neutral since the methanol to hydrogen process emits carbon, or it could be carbon negative if the carbon is captured and sequestered. This is because the carbon in the biomass was derived from the atmosphere and either goes back to the atmosphere or is captured and sequestered. Well, this is a short podcast today, but we're still in the summer season and guests are less available because of travel, but I didn't want to leave you without a podcast this week. So speaking of travel, I have a trip myself coming up next week that I think is worth talking about on the podcast. I found myself in a situation where my wife and I need to drive our Mercedes Sprinter van 1,300 miles or 2,100 kilometers in just two days. So that's about 10 hours of driving per day. But you know, it occurs to me that if this vehicle was battery powered, instead of needing 10 hours per day to drive, we would need to add at least four stops at around 30 minutes per stop to charge each day. So that would add at least two hours to this trip to increase our daily travel time from 10 to 12 hours. And of course, all that assumes that space in this very cramped self-contained vehicle could be found for batteries, which it definitely could not. You know, the underside of the chassis is already occupied with tanks for water and sewage, and the roof is occupied with solar panels, a vent fan, and an air conditioner. Besides which, batteries on the roof would make the vehicle top-heavy and dangerous. Now, of course, fuel cell propulsion would have none of these issues. So listeners, if you enjoy listening to the Hydrogen Nowcast, please subscribe to the podcast and also give us a rating in your podcast app. A good rating helps us be discovered by other people. And of course, word-of-mouth recommendations are really important, so consider letting people in your own network know about the Hydrogen Nowcast. Now, if you'd like to contact me, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me through the website at www.colorado-hydrogen.org or on LinkedIn. So until next time, this is Brian DeBruin wishing you health and prosperity. Goodbye.